I have a hypothetical situation for you that I'd like you to consider. Imagine a billionaire philanthropist who has so much money coming in uh, that he wants to give away as much as possible to bless others. In order to do that, he wants to enlist your help. And the way this works is he's offering to provide for you $100. And that $100 is yours uh, to spend as you see fit, but for the purpose of blessing someone else. And so when the need arises, you can use it to buy someone flowers. You could use it to take someone to lunch. You could use it to pay for uh, someone to have their house cleaned. Uh, you can use it any way you want. But again, the primary purpose is simply to bless another person. Now, <clears throat> he's especially interested in blessing those who are suffering from discouragement or doubt or going through a difficult season or whatever that may be. But he's entrusting it to you. Now, as soon as that $100 is gone, he'll provide you with $200. Do the same thing. As soon as that $200 is gone, he'll provide you with $300. And the goal is, is that he would like you to prove yourself to be faithful in distributing this money to bless others to such a way that it can grow to the place where you're able to provide financially for a family to go to camp, perhaps, or to help someone with their college tuition expenses, or to be able to provide a new vehicle to someone in need. Would you be interested in a position like that? Would you be interested in being able to do that? To be responsible for passing on blessings to someone and distributing uh, those kinds of financial resources in the forms of gifts and encouragement and those sorts of things? Well, the reason I ask you that is that's a little bit of a parable that I wrote to try to represent a very real-life situation that God is inviting us or wants to enlist us to participate in. And this morning we're going to talk about that. The details, of course, like with every parable, are different. But the main idea is the same. So take your Bible, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I want to share with you this very real-life experience that God wants to enlist you and I to participate with Him in. 1 Peter chapter 4, if you're using one of the church Bibles, page 982. 982. 1 Peter chapter 4, as we've been looking through the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4 is really set up to help us think through how we can endure suffering. Chapter 1 was about how God has called us and chosen us and given us a great salvation, that this world is not our home, uh, that you can take this world but give me Jesus, that God has his eternal glory and dwelling prepared for us. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 then also talk about how we're supposed to live in light of that fact now. And live in such a way that others who do not yet have that hope can experience it. Chapter 3 really talks about the fact that if we live that way, if we live for God in a world that hates God, one of the inevitable consequences 
is that we're going to experience difficult times. We're going to experience suffering for trying to do what's right. We're going to experience suffering for attempting to live as Christians in a non-Christian world. And so chapter 4 is really focused on how do you make it through? How do you endure in the midst of difficult times? And we looked a couple of weeks ago at the most important thing for us as individuals as we think about difficult seasons of life and suffering and trials and tribulations, and that is to have the right attitude, to approach suffering for doing what's right with the right attitude, namely realizing that if you are going through something difficult in life, not simply because you're being punished for something you did wrong, but because you're trying to live life rightly, then know that you're on the right path. Know that you're headed in the right direction. That there's not some third path in which you get Jesus and a really easy life too. That you're right where God wants you to be. And he says that's the most important thing that each one of us individually needs to have as we face trials and suffering. But last week we talked about there are things that we can do for others. When we see them going through a difficult time. And we said the first and most important thing we can do for someone else is to pray. But we didn't spend a lot of time talking about that because I think most of us understand that. Instead, we saw how through hospitality, inviting others into our home, sharing our life with them, that that turns out to be a foolproof way to help those who are dealing with difficult times and suffering. Well, how we can be a blessing to others continues as we look at the verses we have this morning Verses 10 and 11 of 1 Peter chapter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now look in verse 10 as we begin and find the word steward. Can you find the word steward near the end of verse 10? Actually, somewhat in the middle of verse 10. That word steward is normally used in connection with finances that a steward is someone who manages another person's money. It's used this way in Luke chapter 16 when Jesus talks and tells a story, a parable of a rich man who has a steward that manages his money for him. And what the steward does is he's responsible for spending the rich man's money in the right way. He's responsible for the money that comes in. He's responsible for the debts that are owed to the rich man. And his steward is the one who's in charge of his financial situation. An analogous situation today might be a money manager with power of attorney. Someone who has the ability to make decisions about how money is saved, how it's spent, how it's invested, all of those kinds of things. That's what the word steward means. And what Peter says is, is that you and I are stewards. But what we're stewards of is not money per se. Notice what he says we're stewards of. Faithful stewards 
of God's grace. Faithful stewards of God's grace. In other words, we have been made managers of God's grace. Now, as you hear this phrase in these two verses, what Peter means for us to do is to read these two verses in light of the two verses that we say every week here at the end of our services that come out of 1 Peter 5. Listen, you're very familiar with these. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Now in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, Peter's talking about us as stewards of God's grace. In 1 Peter 5, verse 10, Peter is talking about the God of all grace. In 1 Peter 4, verse 11, he ends with, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter 5, verse 11, he ends with, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. These two passages, our passage and this passage, go together. And what this passage is saying is that God is the God of all grace, meaning that he has an infinite supply of grace, that all the grace there is in the world all comes from God, and there is no grace that exists that doesn't come from God. And 1 Peter 5 tells us that God wants to use his grace to help us in the midst of suffering. That he wants to use his grace as we go through suffering to help make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Well, what 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 is saying is it's telling us how that happens. And what it's saying is it happens as you and I distribute God's grace as we are stewards or managers of his grace. You see, God is the billionaire philanthropist in the example I gave you at the beginning of the sermon. He's the one who has more resources uh, than he knows what to do with an infinite supply of grace that he wants to use to bless others, that he wants to use to give out to others. And he's enlisting us to help him, to be stewards of his grace, meaning to be responsible for distributing grace to those who are in need. Now, the grace might literally be in the form of money, but it could be a word of encouragement. It could be an act of service. It could be sharing a scripture with someone that God has laid on our heart. It could be inviting them into your home. It could be taking them a meal. It could come in a number of different forms. Which is why Peter says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Meaning that God's grace shows up in lots of different ways. And you and I have the responsibility and the privilege of being managers of God's grace. To be able to distribute it to people as people have need. And God is interested 
in taking all the grace he has, which is an infinite supply, and giving out as much of it as is humanly possible to people to experience as each one of us do that. Now, how does that happen? How do you and I give God's grace to someone else? Well, look at the beginning of verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. That word gift in Greek is the word charisma. The word for grace in Greek is the word charis. Listen to those two, charis and charisma. They're connected words. The word for gift and the word for grace are related to one another. And the idea here is, as Peter is saying, God has given to everyone who's a believer in Jesus a grace gift, meaning a gift by which and through which we can distribute his grace to others. Now, this is referring to what we call in other passages spiritual gifts. Romans 12 is one of the more famous passages about spiritual gifts. There Paul says... We have different gifts, same word, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul is saying and Peter is saying the same thing. We have been given by God spiritual gifts which allow us, whether in teaching or in leading or in showing mercy or encouragement, to distribute God's grace to others. That's the way in which we hand out the $100 of grace in whatever form we may have it to give. Now, it's important that Peter says, just like Paul did, verse 10, each of you. This is not something that's limited simply to people who are pastors or people who are Sunday school teachers or people who have been Christians for a long period of time or people who have been part of the church for a long period of time. What he's saying is every single person who is a believer in Jesus has been given by God a spiritual gift a supernatural ability to deliver and distribute God's grace. Whether you're 80 years old or eight years old. Whether you've been a Christian for 60 years or for 60 minutes. Every single person has been given by God a gift. That through that gift, when we exercise and use that gift, we can hand out to others God's grace. That's why I said in the hypothetical situation at the beginning where you have this billionaire philanthropist, this is an offer available to everybody who's a believer in Jesus. You don't have to be of a certain age. You don't have to have been a Christian for a certain period of time. You don't have to have a certain temperament. You don't have to have a certain set of abilities. You don't have to have a certain set of a willingness. It's an offer made to every single one of us. God has an infinite supply of grace and he is given to every single person who's a believer in Jesus. The ability to distribute that grace in a variety of different forms. 
Now that begs the question, well, what form was I picked to give it out in? Or what gift was given to me that I can use to bless others? Or what is my spiritual gift? If everybody has one, how am I gifted? How has God picked me to distribute grace? Well, there's a more complicated answer to the question. And for that, I simply want to refer you to uh, a spiritual gifts assessment process that Calvary Church has. Uh, There's details about it in your notes. You can simply look into that when you have time. It's a great way to walk through and get the more complicated answer to the question. But this morning, Peter goes with simple. So we're going to go with simple too. And what Peter basically says is, there's two kinds of gifts. There are gifts where we say God's grace to people. And there are gifts where we serve God's grace to people. In other words, there are things that we say and things that we do. And those are really the two big categories. Speaking God's grace, doing God's grace. And so I want to give you a real life situation and I want you to think through something with me. And the situation is, consider Amy Ritchie who prayed for our offering this morning. Amy is a missionary to the country of Ukraine from this church. Now, she was supposed to have gone back to Ukraine 10 days ago. Obviously, you can understand why she hasn't. She's currently scheduled, I think it's a week or two, to go back. But who knows what's going to happen? Now, if you can imagine, the Ukraine, that's Amy's adopted country. She has lived there. She loves the place. You can imagine the stress and the experience of trying to figure out what's going on. She says she spends hours on Facebook trying to connect with friends, trying to figure out if everybody's okay and what's happening. She says it's absolutely surreal to have a country that you normally live in and that you love be the headline of every international newscast. Plus the fact that she's here longer than she was planning on being here and there's a considerable amount of stress, financial stress, stress uncertainty about the future, How's this all going to work out? Well, think for a moment about Amy's situation. And if I were going to ask you, what would you want to do to bless her in the middle of this? I mean, she's going through this not because she's done something wrong. She's trying to serve God. God gave her a love and a passion for the people of Ukraine. And now she's going through this incredible stress because of what's happening in that country. If I was going to ask you, what would you want to do? If you could do one thing to bless Amy in the middle of the situation, what would you choose? Now, hopefully, everybody here would say, well, I would want to pray for her. And that's absolutely right, because that's what Peter says is the most important thing that we do. But leaving that aside for a moment, what's one thing that would come to your mind that you could or would want to do to bless Amy in the middle of the situation? Did you think, or do you think, I'd li- I would, if it was up to me, I would send her a note. I would just want to send her a note to let her know that I'm thinking about her. Even though I don't necessarily even know her, I'd want to send her a note and tell her that I was praying for her. Or did you think, you know what, if I could just, if I knew her, if I would just sit down with her, I would want to tell her that God's in control of all things. 
that I went through something really difficult in my life and God showed up and he reminded me that he's in control and I would like to share that with her. Or are you thinking, you know what, I, I just heard about this situation now but Psalm 2 keeps popping to my mind or I have this perfect psalm that I'd like to share with her. If you picked any of those things, then most likely you have a gift in which you are speaking God's grace to people. Now, there's a name for the different gifts that go with those different things, but I don't think Peter thinks that's important right now. What he wants you to know is if you picked one of those or if something like that came to mind, you have some sort of gift that involves speaking God's grace to people. If when you heard Amy's situation, I asked you, what would you do? Something like, well, does she have a place to stay now that her stay has been extended in America? If she doesn't, maybe she could come and stay with us. Or did you think, you know what? She's probably feeling pretty lonely and pretty discouraged. It'd be great to invite her over for a meal and just be able to share a meal with her. Did you sit there and ask, well, does she have financial needs? Is there, is there something we need to do? Is there an increased cost to the ticket uh, because of having to make these changes? What's she going to do? If any of those kinds of things came to mind, Peter says most likely you have a gift in the area of serving, of doing something for someone. And if both of them, <laughs> or something from both groups, you may have gifts in both areas. But Peter's point is, look, you can go out and figure out exactly specifically what the individual gift is, which is great. But the simpler way to do it is simply to say, did something come to mind of something you wanted to say or did you think of something you wanted to do? And if you don't necessarily resonate as much with Amy's situation, think about perhaps the situation of someone that you know, like a brother-in-law perhaps that has been diagnosed with cancer or a child in your small group who's being bullied at school or a close friend who's going through depression. What's come to your mind about how you'd like to help them? I mean, we all want to help people who are in the midst of difficult situations. Have you thought if I could just get them to come to church and get to experience God's presence here and the worship that happens and they could meet the Lord, that's what I want to do. Or have you thought, I just, want, I just want to go over and put my arms around them and just hug them and just sit with them and let them know that I'm there and maybe not even say anything. I just want to be there with them. If you think, you know what? I just want to show up and clean their house. That would be what I would do. I would want to show up and clean, not me personally, but if that's what you're saying. <laughs> my wife's down here saying amen to that. <laughs> but if that's what comes to your mind, if you're thinking, well, what, I, what I've wanted to do with my brother-in-law or with this child in our small group or with my friend is that I feel like God keeps giving me verses, verses from the scripture that I want to share with him. Whatever it is, whatever comes to mind, if it's something that you would say to someone, then Peter's saying, you have been gifted by God to speak God's grace into people's lives. And if it's something you would do for them, Peter's saying, you have been gifted by God to serve them grace. Whatever it is, every single person who's a believer in Jesus has been given by God a supernatural ability to distribute God's grace to people either by speaking it into their life or by serving it into their life. 
And regardless of whether you speak it or serve it, God is saying, I've got an infinite supply of grace here and I want to get this stuff distributed. I want to get this stuff out there. And I'm giving to you the ability in various forms, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's a meal, whether it's hospitality, whether it's through organizing and planning an event, whatever it is, God is saying, I want to get this stuff out there. Will you help me to do it? Now, how are we to go about this? Well, Peter gives us a little bit of guidance in verse number 11. We start first with those who have gifts or feel encouraged to say something. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Now, that's a stunning statement. What Peter's basically saying is is that when you think about Amy's situation or your brother-in-law, what he might be going through or whoever it is, and you think, you know what? I'm going to go buy them a card and I just want to write them a note to tell them that I'm thinking of them. What Peter's saying is when you sit down to write that note, you are writing the words of God. Now, it's interesting. Peter uses a different word here than the one that's normally used in in the Bible for the scriptures or for the gospel. That's Word of God, capital W. That's the Word of God. That's not what Peter's talking about here. But he says when you sit down to write a note, you're writing a word from God, small w. Meaning it's from the Lord to that person. It's not on par with the Scriptures. It doesn't have any level, that level of authority, any of those kinds of things. But what Peter says is, look, realize that when you sit down to write that note, You're not just putting down whatever comes to mind or whatever you feel like. You're actually writing a word from God to that person. And if you think about that person that's going through that difficult time and you think they need to hear from the Lord, God is saying back to you, well, sit down and start writing that note. And when you write it, what you will be writing them is my words to them. And most of us have had this experience. In fact, I dare say all of us have had this experience where someone has sent us a note Someone has written something to us and you're reading it and it's like God himself is there saying, I love you. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. That's what Peter's saying is, look, understand how powerful this gift is. That when, if something comes to mind to write Amy a note or your brother-in-law or that small group member that's going through that difficult time or that friend, when you sit down to write that note, you are writing to them words from God. And that note is literally grace from God being given to them to make them strong, firm, and steadfast. Peter says the same thing to those who have gifts for doing If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. In other words, is that when you make a meal to take to Amy or to your brother-in-law or to that uh, family in your small group or to that friend that's struggling with depression, what God is saying is you're not just showing up with food. You're showing up with me, that I'm present with you, that I'm there helping make that meal. That it's not simply ingredients and spices that are going in. It's me that's going into that meal. And that when you show up with that meal, I'm going with you. And that when you come to that person's house, you're bringing me to that situation. And when they eat that food, God is going to work through that in a way that expresses grace 
to them. And God says, I will give you the strength to do it. And Peter's point is, look, if we were just writing notes of encouragement because we were happy people, if we were just making food because we loved cooking, nothing really great's going to happen. But God is saying, look, I have gifted you so that when you sit down to write that note, I'm going to speak through it. Or when you sit down to make that meal, I'm going to be cooking it in and through you. And when those are given, you will be distributing grace to people. At the beginning of the sermon, I offered you a hypothetical situation of a billionaire philanthropist who wants to give away as much money as possible to bless people. Obviously, as a parable, it falls far short of the actual truth. The actual truth is we have a God of infinite grace who wants to distribute grace to every single person in this world. And the question I want you to consider and that I need to consider is if you're a Christian, you walked in here with $100 worth of grace in your pocket. Now, it may have come in a, literally in a form of $100, but it may be in the form of a word of encouragement. It may be in the strength to shovel the ice off someone's driveway. It may be in the ability to invite someone over to your home uh, to share a meal with you. Whatever form it is, it's in your pocket, meaning you have that grace from God that he wants you to distribute. And as soon as you're done giving that to someone, he's going to give you more to give. As soon as you're done writing that note of encouragement, he's going to give you more encouragement to share to somebody. And as soon as you're done inviting this person over to your house, he's going to give you more resources and more encouragement. And if it literally is $100 in your pocket, as soon as you give that $100 to somebody, he's going to give you more money to be able to distribute to people. If instead you and I keep that $100 of grace in our pocket and think, well, but I might need this. I might need to encourage myself this week. I might need to treat myself to lunch. (laughs) If we think I'm too busy to give this out to somebody, then God's not pleased with us. And probably worse, we miss the opportunity to see God show up. So you're going to walk out the doors today and right next to you, behind you, near you are going to be people who are suffering. People are going through difficult experiences. In your pocket is the grace they need to know that God loves them. And so the question is, what are you going to do with it? God has given every single person in this room grace and he wants you to distribute it. As soon as you give it away, he's got more to give you. But the question I want you to ask is, what are you going to do with it? Because you have it. Let's pray together. Father, why would you choose us (laughs) to be the people that you're going to do this through? Lord, it would seem so much more efficient if you just did it without us. But Lord, then we'd miss the blessing. And Lord, what joy it is to be able to just say something to somebody that we think is just nothing, and it's your grace. Or to be able to do something for someone and to think, well, what's the big deal? I do this all the time, but for it to be your grace. And God, I pray that right now, I know it's so easy to simply walk out of the room today and think, well, that was, that's fine, great, interesting. Lord, 
Don't let us out of here without telling us how we can give away that $100 of grace. God, don't let us have any rest today or tonight or tomorrow until you help us to realize, until we get, Lord, may that $100 of grace burn a hole in our pocket. Lord, may that word of encouragement, that note we're supposed to write, not go out of our minds until we actually write it. Lord, would you stop us from forgetting about that person who needs that meal? Lord, would you remind us of Amy's situation, of our brother-in-law's situation, of whatever situation, Lord, you want to bring to mind. God, please, we want to be agents of your grace. And it will be so easy for Satan to steal that seed and to get us to think about something else. But Lord, make us pleasing in your sight. Help us to do this. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.